We just got back from uh, Louisiana and camp meeting with uh, Mark Hankins Ministries and Pastor Mark. Awesome time. Um, Move the Spirit. If you have not had a chance to listen to them, if they have them online, you should get a chance to listen to them. I don't know if they put those online, actually. So we'll see. Uh, I didn't order them, but I brought the order for them home, so I will order some. And then if you'd like to get a copy, we can help you out. So it was very... Very um, significant camp meeting and a very uh, significant words spoken. And one of the main themes was really uh, getting into your place and speaking and the power of speaking uh, from that place. And not only physical place, but of course spiritual place and office. And um, so Pastor Trina during one of the uh, meetings uh, came over and uh, laid hands on us and was ministering to us and she said, you know, I see, um, well, first she said like Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Nisi, she said, which means the Lord our banner. She said, I see a banner over you. The Lord's put like a banner over you, over your church. And um, so, uh, that's pretty significant, and um, it's, a, it's a huge blessing, so it's kind of like a, a banner that uh, gets people's attention, uh, draws people to Jesus, and um, so we're very thankful um, for the relationships that we have, and um, we know that the Lord put us in a relationship with Pastor Mark and Trina, and that there's a um, divine flow and uh, there's words that affect us. And when those words uh, affect us, of course, they affect our ministry. And so, therefore, uh, when our parents in the faith speak over us, uh, they're speaking over your church. So they're speaking over you and affect you as well. Um, sometimes there's uh, individual things that are for uh, uh, us personally or people personally. Uh, this was... Uh, Pretty much everything that was spoken this time was um, for the ministry that the Lord has entrusted to us. So uh, it affects all of us. And um, we want to uh, give heed to what the Lord says and uh, give attention to what the Lord says and honor what the Lord says. And, um, you know, if you um, honor what the voice of a prophet, you'll prosper and be blessed, and be enabled uh, to prosper, not just financially. Uh, Sometimes we get these words in um, whatever circles we run with, and uh, we put such a limited meaning on the words. Uh, Prosperity affects, yes, it affects your checkbook, it affects your bank account, it affects your retirement account, it affects your income, it affects your job, but it affects your health, it affects your family, it affects your attitude, it affects your, um, the atmosphere that you're in. So prosperity uh, is really, you're enabled to increase. And increase can be, um, you know, you should have a better marriage next year than what you have today. You should have a closer relationship with the Lord next year than what you have today. Brother Hagin said, if I look back and I wasn't growing in faith, I would stop and say, Lord, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? You should have more faith now than what you had last year. You should have more faith now than what you had 10 years ago. Um, A stronger conviction, a greater connection, a a more firm knowing like God always comes through for me. God always provides for me. God always shows me what to do. God always is um, my source. And uh, so it's important that we do a checkup sometimes. (laughs) And see like, okay, where are we at? And to do that, sometimes you have to, you know, you get with a faith friend, uh, which normally your spouse is a good faith friend, but you may have some other faith friends and you kind of say, like, seriously, what am I believing? What am I thinking? Where am I at right now? Because it doesn't do us, one bit of good in the world actually does us harm to stop and be like, you know what? I can believe God for a million dollars and then act like it, but you really don't and you really can't. So then you're like putting all of this effort, all of this time, all of even resources 
to pursue something where you're not really there. So it's better for us to locate ourselves by what we say and figure out, okay, where am I at and where do I need to be? Because one of the best things with the Lord is to be honest. He's truth. The Holy Spirit's called the spirit of truth. So if you find out, wait a second, with healing, I'm not where I see this possibility of divine health where I never have another sick day in my life. And I believe that and I'm speaking that. But there's a little something inside that's like, eh, I don't fully really believe it because last time I said that, you know, I got sick right after I said that. So we don't just like then, you know, I think of the old covenant where they took a lamb and they took all the sins, like this is all the sins, they just covered it with the blood. We don't just cover it, put a coat over it and pretend like it doesn't exist. We're faith people, we're word of God people. So we stop and we say, wait a minute, I need to like, I was going to use an old term that wouldn't be appropriate. I need to like, um, I'll just say it, bone up on this. You know what I mean? Like, like I need to like study up, get on this. So I find scriptures and go through the healing scriptures and figure out, okay, which ones are like, you know, when I read them, which ones kind of like trigger something on the inside of me right now? So, because I feel like a little, a little uh, weak in this area because I'm honest to admit that. And so then you look at those scriptures, you begin meditating on those, and maybe you don't feel a change right away, but what do you do? We walk by faith and not by sight, so we keep meditating. We keep letting it turn over and roll over. Brother Hagin, he traveled so much when his kids were young. I feel so blessed that I get to be uh, with my family most of the time. And um, the, uh, But while he was traveling, sometimes his kids would get attacked physically. And one time his daughter uh, got attacked. She had like a, a growth on her eye. And um, uh, his wife told him about it, wrote him about it. And because it wasn't something that was um, an emergency that had to be dealt with right away, he just took, and uh, for the next, I think it was three nights, he just took his Bible and he went back through and he pretty much memorized all the healing scriptures. But he took and he said, you know, so many times it's important to let your eyes fall on those scriptures, let yourself see them. He went through every single scripture for hours and hours each night meditated on him before he would even pray for his daughter. But when he prayed for her, it left. But I think a lot of the times we get in our mind about it. Well, I've read that. I know those scriptures. I'm just, and I have authority. I'm just going to speak and it's going to come to pass. And then maybe it doesn't happen like that. Because, you know, when we look at the scriptures, and when we pour over the word of God, the Holy Spirit can take those words and make them so real to us that they're like tangible and touchable. And uh, one of my favorite scriptures is, of course, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, um, that we need to pay extra close attention to whatever we've heard, lest at any time we let it uh, slip. And the margin says, leak out like water out of a leaky vessel. And I studied that one time, and it's like, you know, they had these, these old, like they, they'd fill the cruises with oil. So they have these like tall jars. I think they're like three foot tall or something like that with the two handles, and they're like this. And it's like having one of those vessels that has all these cracks in it. And so all of a sudden you're pouring in this, you know, healing because you haven't paid extra close attention to it. You've got all this healing in there, and it's all just dripping out and getting all over the floor and you're like, I got this vessel. I got healing. I've got this. I've got this. Uh, and this is holding healing. But if you look down, your feet are getting wet because it's like dripped out and it's come out. And so it's really in, um, um, there's a, a necessity on us to stop and pay extra attention and let the word of God be brand new and fresh to us every single day. So there's a banner over us, a banner um, from God over us and um, over you and over me. And then, um, you know, one of the other things uh, that she was praying in the spirit and she uh, prayed the word Tacoma, I should preface what I'm going to say with this, is that... Um, remember 2 Corinthians or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where it talks about he that prays in an unknown tongue doesn't pray to men but to God, because no man understands him, but in the Spirit he speaks mysteries, divine secrets. Uh, when we pray in the Spirit, 
um, in other tongues, it's supernatural. It's given from God. That means that you're, you know, later on in the scripture, it says your natural mind is unfruitful. It means your mind doesn't really understand what's being said. And then Paul goes on to talk about, man, if you're going to have like tongues in a service, I'd rather have, to have tongues and not have it interpreted. I'd much rather have someone prophesy because everybody can understand it. Everybody can be blessed. Because if you speak in an unknown tongue, you're built up, you're edified. But if it's not um, uh, interpreted, Nobody else gets built up. Nobody else gets edified. So uh, it's important when you're praying in other tongues, uh, you can pray, Paul said, I pray in the tongues of men and of angels. Sometimes uh, it may be a natural language that exists in the world today that you're speaking. Sometimes it may be a natural language that is extinct from the world today. So it's a, a, a language that nobody is currently speaking. They call it a dead language. It's still there. It's still a language, a dead language. It could also be uh, like the language of angels. And um, I don't know who here speaks angel. I don't speak angel. But I would say probably nobody would understand that but God and, I guess, the angels. So I'm prefacing what I'm going to say is that prayer is supernatural. And prayer in the spirit is very supernatural. And where we tend to uh, make mistakes is we put our own interpretation on what God said, whether it's in other tongues or whether it's a prophecy that's in English. Like uh, Brother Hagin, favorite example is Brother Hagin, the Lord told him, you know, supernaturally, you're going to go pastor such and such a church and that'll be the last church you ever pastor. He said, well, you can take that any number of ways, like Am I going to die? Am I going to pastor there till I'm like 95 and die? Uh, or am I just going to pastor it for a few years like I did all the other churches, and then I've got, you've got a different ministry for me, which is, of course, what ended up being. But, uh, you know, we kind of laugh at that, but it's just to say the Lord will give you a word, and it's really important to say, okay, Lord, you gave me that word. What, what does it mean? <laughs> Interpret it for me. Give me understanding. And you see like these dreams. People had dreams from God in the word of God. And uh, they asked the Lord, you know, what does that mean? So uh, when Brother Hagin, when the Lord told him that's the last church you'll ever pastor, um, he said, I should have asked him, well, then what am I going to do? He said he didn't. So what did he do? Well, he did. He only knew of two things. So he did what he knew in his natural mind, what he'd been trained from his natural mind maybe not even trained, just exposed to with his natural mind. So what he did was he stopped and he said, well, if I'm not a pastor, I must be an evangelist because he was part of a denomination. And when you fill out papers to become licensed and ordained minister with that denomination, you check the box. Are you a pastor or are you an evangelist? So the Lord said, no, you're not pastor anymore. Uncheck that box. So he thought, again, given what he knew, where he was, his realm, he's like, oh, well, then I must be an evangelist. He said, I set out to be an evangelist and fell flat on my face. Wore my car out, wore my shoes out, didn't have money, wasn't adequately, couldn't adequately feed the children or anything, and uh, didn't have a, a very good house because he put his own interpretation on what the Lord said. So he should have stopped, and he said this. I'm not criticizing him at all. Uh, I've done way worse, you know? <laughs> um, but he said, you know, what I should have done is I should have stopped and said, Lord, well, then what did you call me to do? But I didn't. I just assumed, and then I stepped out and did this. And so um, uh, it's important to not put our own interpretation on it and also to understand that when the Lord deals with us, he deals with our hearts. And he deals with us in a supernatural way. That means beyond natural. So uh, if you could uh, figure God out, you probably, we'd all be disappointed like Pastor Mark says. And you're probably not on exactly the right track. Uh, so we should always have some amazement for God. But there's things in his word that he tells us, makes very clear to us. This is what I said. I said by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. And that's what I meant. I meant what I said. And I said what I meant. And that's the way it is. And anything that's contrary is contrary to truth. So that's a, a little bit of an extra special lesson there. Anyhow, while Pastor Trenton was praying, she prayed out the word Tacoma. 
And um, so different people uh, uh, looked up that word and said different things. And um, after the service, uh, she introduced me to a guy that grew up in Tacoma Park, uh, Maryland, which is just on the outside border of Washington, D.C. She said, while I was praying, I really had like, um, I had this, I could see your church and like speaking, like you have a voice there. And the Tacoma is the word that kept coming out. I'm like, what is Tacoma? And um, so uh, Leah squared, little Leah and Mama Leah. I don't know if they were both watching. I know Leah Klosterman was watching. But uh, so they did some research and found out um, that, among other things, uh, Tacoma is a place where water comes out, uh, like from God, from the throne of God. And she sent me a little text thing saying, living water running out of the city of God, uh, Tacoma. Well, what's interesting about that is that um, uh, over the last month, the Lord's been dealing with me about... um, our church, and what, uh, what our church is. And I have been seeing the church as not only a refuge, but a place of filling and refreshing and everything that a river from God would provide. So that's pretty uh, exciting. Um, there is actually a Tacoma, Washington, D.C., I found out. It's across the, the, you know, the straight line that is the border between Maryland and D.C. If you look up this way, it's like right here. See, I didn't have a marker if I had a marker. Um, it's called Tacoma, D.C. Um, so what I do with things like that is uh, I take note of them and say, oh, that's interesting. And then ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what does that mean? And if I don't have any clear direction on it, I just leave it as, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and thank you for that. Because uh, my whole point in that extra little lesson was we can make a lot of mistakes, especially in praying in other tongues, if we try to say like, oh, you spoke this word in other tongues, so that means this. And all of a sudden you start to develop this whole um, possible change in your life based on this English um, translation, not interpretation. Because there's a big difference between you don't translate tongues, you interpret tongues. You interpret what the Holy Spirit is saying. You don't translate it. There's, a, there's, there's like a big difference. And so um, you have to be careful and not get too in your head about things when you experience uh, gifts of the Spirit. Uh, it's interesting, and it's, it's good a lot of times to look at those things, and sometimes those things will trigger, and you'll be like, on the inside, we're led by the Spirit of God. And so we know on the inside, we have like a, yeah, 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 that's right. And um, so it, it's good to do that, um, but you also don't want to uh, make a doctrine out of it or uh, live your life for from that standpoint, you want to stay open to the Spirit of God and thank the Lord for uh, supernatural words that He speaks and um, leave the supernatural supernatural. If we take the supernatural and we bring it into natural, we're all really disappointed. So that's many times. Um, I'm so thankful for the denominations. I grew up in two of them and uh, was very blessed because of it. But any denomination or really any movement of God after several years, uh, it seems like most of them stray from the original inspiration of God. And so they kind of uh, get off track. And interestingly enough, the supernatural becomes natural. So that all of a sudden they were birthed in this supernatural Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit thing that Jesus, you know, Jesus gave the gifts of the Spirit into the body of Christ because the body of Christ needs the gifts of the Spirit to operate and to be um, uh, alive the way that he made us to be alive, to live the way he made us to live, to affect the way he made us to affect. So without those in operation and showing up in our lives, manifestation, without those occurring, uh, we're really not uh, living at the level that he paid for us to live at. We're not um, using what he gave us to use. So a lot of times in um, uh, movements, because I'm, I'm really trying not to uh, criticize anybody. That's not my intention. What I'm trying to say is that all of us, even I could bring it home, even if you have the most amazing experience with God, you can create a religion out of it. 
So you had this experience when you got filled with the Spirit. You saw fire, like, you know, Brother Hagin. One guy he prayed for, a kid, like, he'd lay hands on him, like, every night, boom, 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 laying hands on all these people. He's like, it's like laying your hands on a cold doorknob. Like, nothing. I mean, no receptivity. Like, nothing goes out. You Like, hey, ain't gonna get anything. So this guy came uh, another night to have hands laid on him. And um, uh, Brother Hagin thought, you know, this is just gonna be like laying hands on a doorknob. Well, what Brother Hagin didn't know was that guy had been meditating in the Word, and he got there before the service. It was in the winter, so it was dark when the service was started. So the pastor went over uh, before service to open up the uh, church building, and he tripped over the guy on the steps to get into the church because it was dark, and he was there waiting. And he said, Pastor, you watch it. The minute Brother Hagin lays hands on me tonight, I'm going to receive. And so, um, you know, Brother Hagin didn't know this. So he goes and he comes along and he's laying hands on people and he gets to this kid. And Brother Hagin's thinking, he's not going to get anything, but I'm going to lay hands on him in faith. You know, maybe by being here, he'll finally get something somehow. So he was wanting to be filled with the Spirit. So he laid, went to lay hands on him and he didn't even touch him. He got about, I think he said it was like six inches from his forehead. I'll do sideways so you can see better because I'm a video guy. So he went like six inches from his forehead, like this is his forehead, and a ball of fire flew out of his hand and hit the kid in the head, went boom. And there were all these, you know, that was when they had ministers sitting on the platform. So there was ministers sitting on the platform up there watching this and they all witnessed this and they all said, yes, that's true. Not only did the ball of fire hit him in the head, it picked him up, the Holy Spirit picked him up and laid him out horizontal floating above the ground for a couple seconds. And then he was thrown underneath the front pew. So the reason I say such a spectacular like type of uh, example is that, you know, that kid or those people there uh, could get stuck on that. And then that's their focus. That's their, well, you remember when? You remember when? And, you know, then because time after time after that, that didn't happen to like the next guy. That didn't happen the next week. That didn't happen the next year. Well, you start to lose faith in the power of God. You start to be like, oh, what's going on? So a lot of times we, through personal experience like that, or a group of people coming together and God just moved and you saw these people's lives changed, that uh, you can become um, dead, for lack of a better term, to to put it to a straight. You can become dead. And um, it's important that we don't allow ourselves to dry up and um, to not contend for the for God's best. And um, by, by bringing in natural reasoning into the move of the Spirit or into an experience with God, a legitimate experience with God, we can um, slowly start to do that and we don't even realize it. And I'm talking like, I, I, I love everybody. I'm trying to be like clear. I'm talking like Rhema, Mark Hankins, whoever you're like closest to following type of thing. I'm not saying anybody's dried up. I'm saying anybody could. I'm definitely not saying anybody has. Um, Denominations, a lot of them have. You know, when you start to vary from the word of God, we look at at certain things where people are ordaining certain people and doing certain things and we look at it and say, oh my goodness, that's so far and so bad. You know what? If Hebrews says... um, if we, um, I think it's what, Hebrews chapter 4, if we go ho-hum on the gospel and the things of the gospel, that there's no longer uh, any uh, repentance for us. We can't even come back to God. And a lot of people say like, well, that's if you were like this or that or whatever. I like, you know, of course, we're doing this series, we're supposed to be doing this series with uh, Teal Osborne. Um, but what he said on that, he's like, he's like, I like to take that as if you just go ho-hum. If you let it become an everyday thing, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no big deal, no big deal, it's just this, it's just that, that you could grow cold and not even realize you're growing cold, and all of a sudden, you know, your life has passed you by, and you're not um, contending for the things of God. Um, Some people will use that scripture to scare people, just to say, like, you know, um, there's no more repentance for you, you've done the unpardonable, the devil typically does this, in case you're wondering. Um, You've committed the unpardonable sin. There's no hope for you and those type of things. Um, but uh, uh, 
the important thing is that we um, stay on fire and stay stirred up. You know, and the, the kind of the subject that we're talking about today is Jesus, the inspiration. He's our inspiration. And um, if you look up the word inspiration, it, it really means God breathed. Actually, when God created Adam, man, in the garden, it says he inspired him. He, that's the, the literal word that was used for it. He breathed his very breath and life into that body he had created. So first he created the body of Adam. And it was a lifeless body. And then he says he hovered over him and breathed into him life. And so inspiration breathes into you life and breathes into me life. And um, uh, if you're not inspired, you're really dead. And, um, you know, so many people are dead while they live. Um, uh, maybe they've lost their dreams. They no longer have a dream. No, there's no hope for the future. I mean, how many people do you guys know that don't have hope? Or you can tell by their actions they don't have hope. Uh, what The way people live and destroy their lives and think, oh, this is great. I'm doing what I want. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. You know, uh, they have no hope. They have no hope of, a, of a, a future. They've lost their dreams. They've lost their ambitions. Um, they've lost a desire for a better life. They're, they're really dead while they're alive. They've died on the inside. And of course the unbeliever is dead on the inside. He's not a new creature. But sometimes as believers, we're talking about Hebrews there, um, sometimes as believers, we die on the inside. And we just kind of go through the motions. And you've been in church for any length of time, which all of us have. You uh, see people that have done that. And they're just going through the motions. But uh, what I like about what Brother Osborne was kind of saying there is, these are my words, just my way of saying it. Like, how, how alive are you? How alive am I? Because, again, we tend to look at people like, well, they're, they're like dead. They're just going through the motions. They're not on fire for God anymore. They're not anything. Uh, but where are you kind of, if you, if you did one of those uh, little scales, like a, like a VU meter that has a, a needle, where are you on that? Or a, uh, a gas tank? No, not a gas tank. It needs to be like, this is kind of bouncy. Yeah, it's like this, you know. Uh, so I just go from the technical world. <laughs> uh, if you like my gas gauge on my tractor, <laughs> it's an old tractor, and it like, it's like this. Uh, but where would you put yourself, you know? And, um, you know, his mercies are new every single morning. And, you know, my body is getting older. Next month, I'll be 40. Uh, so every day, I'm getting older and older, and so are you. <laughs> and, um, but on the inside, the Bible tells us that our spirit man is renewed day by day. That's why you don't feel any older. I feel like I'm, let's see what I feel like I am. And somewhere between 23 and 26. And I imagine I'll feel like that the rest of my life. Because when I talk to older people, they they think of themselves that way. You'll, you'll hear an older person say like, I, I look in the mirror and I think, what happened? <laughs> I don't feel any older. I mean, in their body, they feel older and they're like, I can't run as fast as I could. I can't do all these type of things. I'm actually in probably the best shape of my life. But um, uh, if Jesus tarries and I get to be like 85, 95, I likely won't be running as fast as what I run now. Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm not. But... Um, your body is decaying. The Bible teaches us that our bodies are decaying. And so, um, but on the inside, we're renewed every single day. And uh, the thing about Christianity is there is a legal side that has happened, and then there's a vital side. The vital side is what are you experiencing today? What's happening to you today? What's happening to me today? So there's potential for this renewing every single day. You're not getting older in your spirit and if we tap into that, you will feel the effects of what's already happening inside of you, and your body will even be affected by it, and your mind will be affected by it. So 
um, we can be renewed every single day. So people, uh, a lot of times we settle for mediocrity. We settle for despair. We settle for um, less than what we should. And you look at, uh, I, don't, I don't have uh, over-the-air television at the moment. I should get an antenna because we have a TV that would do it, but I don't have an antenna to receive it. Uh, but I enjoy knowing what's going on in the world. I don't enjoy all of the negative reports from the news, so I try to like uh, keep enough information to know what's going on and to be able to pray and to not be uh, totally ignorant of what's happening in the world, but not so much that it becomes uh, consuming because sometimes it can be consuming. Um, but uh, if you look especially on news programs, uh, you will find that a lot of times uh, there are companies that try to sell you things in the commercials. And normally they're trying to, because, um, wow, I'm going to date myself. Apparently most people that watch the news are older. <laughs> a large portion of people. And so uh, you can tell really what a demographic is by what ads are produced during those shows. So they tend to sell lots of drugs. Legal drugs um, to help people. And it could be anything from Viagra to Cialis, which is very interesting. Or it can be just like depression medication or this medication or that medication or this helps with your aches, this helps with your pains. So, um, but uh, they'll sell these things. And so then people start to say, I need that. And maybe they really don't need it. Maybe they just need to kind of like get in the word, stay refreshed in the word. Um, get some exercise, do something. Uh, but they're making money on you and on me or anybody that's buying all of this stuff and saying like, oh yeah, that's me, I need that. So remember, we're, we are created in the likeness and the image of God himself and the way that he created that body of Adam and then uh, was able to breathe into that is he spoke it into existence. He created with his words. And so we create with our words. So if I, as a company that wants to sell you something, can get something to be relatable enough, and I can get you to speak it and believe it, you're going to buy my product. If you want to be a good salesperson, be a faith salesperson. You get people to believe in your product, okay? And um, I don't know where we're going to produce this message or anything like that, but I might as well go ahead and say, like, if you got yourself some Viagra and you're almost any age, you know, some, some older men maybe need it, but you could uh, at any point say, like, you know, I would like to have a little better performance. I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm trying to communicate something that you've got a product that you want to sell. It's like... Let me make it better for the tape or the CD or the MP3 or whatever we're doing now. <laughs> it's like saying, you know, if you take this um, special honey from these special bees and you eat this special honey every day, you'll have more energy every single day. Okay, who doesn't want more energy every single day? That's why I was using the Viagra example. I wasn't trying to be like, you know, too personal with everybody. But the point being... If I tell you this and I try to sell you this, nobody really wants to exercise every single day. But man, what is it like to exercise on those days when you just feel so invigorated with, um, what are those called? Endorphins? Yeah. With endorphins? And you're like, oh, I just, I'm ready to go, ready to do this, ready to do that. So I can convince you that uh, a personal part of your life like that or an everyday part of your life, like you know, doing this special honey, um, I can con if I can convince you, your life isn't what it should be. You need to have this stuff. All of a sudden, you can start to uh, rely upon something that really isn't necessary. And what we're doing is we're going a natural route, uh, uh, which uh, isn't necessarily bad. But if we replace the supernatural with the natural, then it is bad. Because we've come below where we really should be. Um, So God is a speaker. 
and we're created in his likeness and in his image. So we talked um, last week, you know, we did a, I did an introduction the week before, and then last week we talked about Jesus, our model. And we look at what Jesus did. Man, nobody ever spoke like Jesus. Nobody that had ever been on the earth because he showed us how God would speak if God was in the flesh because he was God in the flesh. But he was God in the flesh without all of his um, power and glory until the Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him. So he laid aside all of that. It said he laid aside in Colossians, he laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as mere man, as man or mere man. So he became just like one of us, but perfect in all of his ways, but also tempted in every way, way that we've been tempted. He went through everything that we went through, every emotion that you've ever felt, that I've ever felt. He has experienced those emotions. And he was... Uh, um, successful, I'm trying to think of the right word, triumphant. He was triumphant in all of those emotions, beyond all of those emotions. Like Pastor Mark said, he repeated a couple times again this week, he's like, somebody asked you, how are you feeling? And he said, a lot of times he likes to say, I'm feeling the same way Jesus felt when he was uh, getting ready to overcome the same feeling that I'm feeling right now. Um, or something close to that. And um, so in the likeness and image of God, we're to do the same thing that Jesus did. He's our model. He's who we look at. So don't look at me. Don't look at Pastor Mark. Don't look at Brother Hagen for your standard for ministry. You know, uh, don't look at us for your standard of Christianity. You can follow our faith, the Bible says. We follow the faith of great men. We follow the faith of Paul, um, but don't let another um, man be your standard unless that man is Jesus Christ. So, uh, because again, you'll come lower than what you should come. And that's why you get groups of, uh, of people that had a move of God at one time. And all of a sudden now it's kind of like, uh, it's just kind of not there. You know, it's like, well, fire didn't pop out of your hand and hit me in the head, you know, type of thing. And um, so we water it down, water it down, water it down. All of a sudden we realize, here's where we are. I'm a pilot and, you know, most people know the airplane example of if you set your heading, uh, whether you have an automatic pilot and you just set a dial or you like steer the plane, aim the plane to your destination, if you're just like a little bit off on where you're dialing in or where you're aiming, uh, when you get a thousand miles down the road, man, you'd be way off. When they taught us how to fly, you know, we're learning uh, visual flight rules, they call it, VFR. So you have to do like your first cross country by yourself. So you're the only one in the plane and you don't really, you know, a little bit about the instruments, but you're really not instrument rated and you don't understand all of the instruments. So what you do is you fly by sight. So you have to see things. So you plan out your flight route and you have these aviation maps that show you like where you're going, what you're, the points you're supposed to see. So you look at those and you're supposed to look in great detail. Okay, I'm sh I should see this here. I flew up in Michigan. So one of the main um, points that I would pass, they call it waypoints, that I could notice was the Ionia prison. Thank God for the Ionia prison. <laughs> because it was such a big, uh, odd shape compared to everything else. It was really a really good waypoint to see. So as you're flying, what you do is you pick out several of these points and your first few points, you actually pick out closer together than the other points because if you're getting off track, you need to correct right away because uh, if you don't correct right away, if I have my first point like halfway, I may be too far off course to even see that point. So I don't know that I'm missing that point. I, I, I have to look at time and different things like that to help me. But if I don't pay attention... I may be missing that point. So I have to say, okay, here's my trajectory and here's my points. And then I just start to check them off. Oh, yep, I got that one. Oh, I'm a little off there, so I'm coming right back. I'm coming right back. And that's what we really have to do um, in our walk with the Lord is we create these checkpoints and we create them you know, close together to make sure that we're on the right track. And then we can correct. Say, like, oh, oh, 
a little off, a little off. Oh, I'm coming back. And so then the general course of your life is in the direction that God has purpose for you and has planned for you. Because um, a lot of times uh, it's easy to get off. And if you get off, um, you get disoriented. So we don't understand like, oh my goodness, where am I at? And how do I get back? And it may be I got disoriented one time and flying. And of course in life too, but flying. <laughs> and you think, where am I at and how far am I? And you could be, you could have just missed it. It could be like right underneath you, behind you, and you can't see it. But you're so disoriented that you're like, am I going to run out of fuel and crash and burn and die? And when you get off like that spiritually, the devil will tell you, yes, you will. And he will tell you, you know what? You don't have enough fuel to get back to where you need to be. You might as well just like, if you've always wanted to be an acrobatic pilot, you might as well just go for it because you're going to die anyhow. And the Lord is so disappointed in you and that you messed this up and he doesn't trust you anyhow. What does it matter? All those people in the church are just going to laugh at you and make fun of you. You might as well just go off because you're already off. Just enjoy it. But he's a liar. Exactly. Yeah, he's a liar. My wife's helped me preach. He's, he's a liar and the father of lies. And um, he, he wants to try to deceive and um, trick and, um, and uh, confuse us. So the first week we talked about um, Jesus, our model, and that's really how we see God. How do we see God? The way we see God is through Jesus. You know, like you say, like, who is God? Who knows how big his nose is? How big is God's nose? You know, Jesus is how we see God. What's God like? What's what is God like? Look at Jesus. And I, I don't know if you guys do this, but um, when I'm praying, talking to the Lord, uh, again, I'm trying to keep things like alive. So I would just say when I'm talking to the Lord, which is prayer. Or sometimes I say prayer and everybody, we, we get this image like this, and this is what we see, and this is what we think. So anyhow, talking to the Lord, I thank him so many times in an informal sort of way. You know, I just say, you know, Lord, because I'm thinking it right now. I'm like, thank you that you're not an evil God, but you're a good God. Because you think of how he could be and how a lot of people say he is. But man, we can look at Jesus. If you ever wonder, like, how's God treating me right now? How's God thinking about me right now? One of the favorite things is 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, you know, of course, love. But look at the life of Jesus. And uh, if you look at the life of Jesus... Then we see what God, how God is, how God thinks of your sickness or how God thinks of your mental depression or how God thinks of this problem, that problem, the lack of finances, uh, I mean the lack of wine at the wedding feast. Does God care about the little things like at your wedding? God must be too busy to care about anything like that, a drink at a wedding. But look at how he thinks about it. And so uh, when we look at Jesus, we see how God thinks about us. We see how God treats us. And that's why when you look at that, of course, healing is God's will. Look at Jesus. He came about. He was healing. Everywhere he went, heal, 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 heal. Showing the will of God. He didn't do anything but the will of God. He didn't do anything that he didn't see. Who doing? God, his heavenly father. He just did what he saw him do. So, um, you know, we, we look at Jesus and we see what God is like. What I was supposed to be preaching on this week was the inspiration. And that's how we see us. And we've kind of touched on it, just in a little different direction. But um, so number one is how do we see God? Number two is how do we see ourselves? So we talked about that uh, Jesus began to minister. And he began to minister under the power of the Spirit and we are to continue the ministry that he started. So he started this ministry, then he gave it to us to finish. He went to heaven and gave it to us and said, now it's your ministry. And he's, God is so just. He gave us everything that we need, which the main thing that we need is the power of his spirit, the anointing of his spirit, because I don't ever want to speak 
without his ability. I don't ever want to get up and say what I think and how I think it should be and what I understand of this. Again, um, that's how groups of people get off because you start to get in the realm of reason and figure things out and this is what it is, this is what that is. And you need to speak so that on the inside, your spirit man's leaping, jumping, turning flips, leaping and dancing and praising God, just like the lame man at the, at the beautiful gate, because he encountered the presence of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, the life of God. And, um, you know, so um, the inspiration of Jesus' example is um, how we see us. So how do we see um, what we are? So what makes us more, like how T.L. would say it, what makes Christianity more than a religion or a philosophy? How I would say it is, what makes us more than a group of people that believe something at some time and now we've just all of a sudden developed all of these reasons and rules for why things are the way they are? Right? What makes us different? How are we doing? And when I say that, like, oh, we're different because this, this, this. Well, what I'm saying is we should all stop and ponder this and think on it and say, like, I'm preaching like Rick Renner right now with my eyes closed. We should all, like, think on this and let it sink in and mull over it a little bit and just say, like, okay, what really is the difference? Let me locate myself. Let me locate my church. Let me locate the whole body of Christ. Like, what, what, why should someone listen to what we have to say. Why should anybody think that this is anything different than any other religion, any other group of people? What really makes what we believe different? Why is it any different? Are we just like a bunch of people, like what, what the, some philosophers would say, a bunch of weak-minded people that need to cling to religion because they couldn't handle real life if they didn't have this group of people that fed them this deception? How are we any different? No, it's because of the power of God. Because I can witness in my life that I have been healed by the power of God of an incurable disease. It's because even before that, I can witness in my life that I am a jerk without Jesus. Come on, jerk without Jesus? I'm talking about the love of God. How does the Bible say that you know that you're born again? Because you were healed in your body? No, God heals non-Christians just as much as he heals Christians, sometimes more. It's a different sermon. But how do you know? Other people know because of your love. And uh, was it Peter tells us because of, um, we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. So the way I know that I'm born again, one of the primary ways is because I have a love that's not of me. Because when I find of me, that's why I say jerks anonymous. Now I'm not anonymous, but you know, we all know you can be a real jerk. I can be a real jerk when we don't, you know, uh, live out of the love of God. When we don't live the way Jesus lived. Jesus did nothing of himself. He sacrificed himself. He gave of himself. And so um, we are to do the same thing. And um, so we don't want to um, start a new movement. We don't want to be like better than anybody else. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to draw attention to ourselves. What our goal is in life and in our church is to introduce people to Jesus through the life and nature of God, through Zoe that flowed out of Jesus, that flows out of us, that lives in us. We want to bring people to Jesus. And if that means that a movement is started, if that means that uh, we talk different than other people, that we act different than other people, that different things happen than what you see other places, that's fine. But that's not our goal. That's not our mission. Our mission is to bring people in contact with the only one that can bring them hope, that can bring them life, that can bring them um, eternal connection and eternal power and eternal um, expression and fruit from God. Eternal life, zoe. And uh, I guess the last thing I'll finish with is sometimes I think we, a religion causes us to pull back 
from being bold for the things of God. Because we're not, like I said, the goal is to not, I'm not trying to be like uh, the most amazing preacher in the world or the most amazing this or that. I don't want our church to be that. I want our church to be uh, the greatest expression of the body of Christ that's in the earth along with thousands and hopefully hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of other churches that are the greatest expression of the life of Jesus Christ in our generation, in our world today, so that when people uh, are overwhelmed or when things are going right, they can look and say, what is that about them? What is that? Because they brush the life of God. They come in contact with the substance of who God is so that your family comes in contact with that substance so that you yourself come in contact daily with that substance. You don't live your life for yourself anymore. You don't live your life with your own ability. I don't live my life with my own ability or for myself, but we live um, out of him. In him we live and move and breathe and have our being. And so that's what we want to do. Uh, you know, one of our main purposes is that all may know Jesus Christ and the power of his love, that it's not just um, a head knowledge but it's an experiential knowledge that we've come in contact with. You ever walk into a room and uh, um, experienced a smell? You come in contact with it? My wife was working at a book table one time and she came in contact with an unpleasant smell that someone had left. And man, she hit it like a wall. She went, whoa, like this. It just went straight back. And I like, I like pretended like I hit a wall and walked backwards, in case you're listening. <laughs> and um, you have to realize this goes beyond just us. But that's what I'm talking about. Where you walk, remember the stories of Smith Wigglesworth. People would come close to him and they would fall on their knees and be convicted because of the power of God. They felt the presence of God. And so... Um, that's what we want in our daily lives and the life of our church. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, man, we're so grateful, so thankful for all that you've done for us, all that you've um, done in us. But Father, we're, we, um, we don't want this to just be for us, Father. Father, our heart's desire is that you would put within us uh, your words uh, in such a way that as we speak them under your anointing and under the power of your spirit, that they penetrate deep into the hearts of those that we speak with, those that don't know, that haven't heard. Father, our heart's desire is that Jesus Christ be, um, yeah, lifted up and known, but not from a distance, but intimately from within people's hearts, Father, that hearts, lives, spirits are changed, um, that... Uh, you can use us as you have asked us to be used, uh, to be a voice um, that you can use to declare uh, the truth, to speak words that will penetrate every, demo every demon, every demonic force, every scheme, every plan of the enemy uh, for this area, for this region, for the United States, and for the world. Father, that we would uh, yield ourselves unto you to allow you uh, to put words into our mouth that you need spoken so that you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. Father, help each of us to be just like Jesus saying, mm, I'm not, I'm not going to be speaking really uh, what I'm thinking. I'm not going to be speaking what I think is best or what I've figured out, but I'm going to speak what you have given me, what I have received from you. Uh, just like John said, the things that we have seen and heard, we delivered unto you. Father, that we would see things from you hear things from you, that you'd open up your word to us, and that we would take those and deliver them uh, to the bound, and deliver them to those that haven't heard and that don't know. Father, that you'll give us a voice, a greater voice. We thank you that you said that there's a great banner, uh, your banner over us. Father, we thank you that we're not here on our own, but we have been sent and commissioned and equipped by you, that you uh, give us all of the right tools, all of the right abilities. Father, I thank you that the greatest power, the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, um, has made your home in us. Father, that every, 
gift, every working, every ability, every tool that we need, you've deposited with inside of us. Father, we just ask you'd help us to yield continually to you, allow you to, to allow you to work through us, allow you to speak through us, allow you to use us. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. He is everything to us that you said he would be. He's given us understanding, revelation, teaches us, shows us things to come, leads us and guides us. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over our church and over every family that's here and those families that are not here. Father, we declare we will live and not die and declare your word, declare your works. Father, that we will um, not live for ourselves, but we'll live for Jesus every single day. That we will um, say what you want us to say and do what you want us to do. Father, we're so uh, humbled that you chose to use mankind to reach other men, other women. Father, we just pray um, for this time over the next couple months as we go out and as we get to begin to um, tell people about Jesus and get to begin to tell people about a, a gathering place where the rivers of God flow, a gathering place where truth is heard and where your spirit is free to show up and do what he does, what only he can do and touch lives. Father, a place where we can hook up and be used of you and flow with you and flow with your spirit, a place where uh, there's an open heaven and a place where you have created uh, an atmosphere of love and of strength and of power and of your spirit. Father, we pray for each and every church across our nation. Father, we pray for a great awakening. We pray that the ho-hum um, attitude that the devil tries to bring in, the, the uh, uh, lack, lacks, the non-expectation, Father, that it would be driven out of your church. Father, we pray for your church, that your church would rise up, that your church would stand up, not with our own power, but with the power of your Spirit, with the power of your Holy Spirit, separate and different, that your anointing would begin uh, not only to be known legally, but in reality, Father. We thank you that your Holy Spirit falls suddenly. Father, we ask you uh, to fall suddenly on your church, on your body, uh, all around the world. Father, that the name of Jesus, that the hope of the world, the peace of the world, the only hope would be uh, broadcast and be seen for all men to know and for all men to uh, realize that you've set the captives free, that you've brought deliverance, that you have made a way where the devil said there is no way, that you've made a way that far exceeds any of his thoughts or any of his abilities, but you've made a way uh, for all mankind to come back to you and to come near to you and to fulfill your dream of being intimate with you. Father God, we thank you for the life of Christ and for the blood of Christ and for the name of Christ. Father, we thank you for the honor we have of carrying your glory, of carrying your power. And we pray that this week as we go, that you'd give us great opportunities to speak to people. Father, ahead of time, you'd give us the words to speak. Uh, Father, that we would then also receive boldness from you to speak in love the truth of your word and to walk in love, the life that you've given us. Father, we thank you for um, great healings, for your power showing up in the bodies of people that we minister to. Father, we thank you for great deliverance, for minds being set free. Father, we thank you uh, for great restoration for those that have been damaged and hurt, that they can come to the true healer, the healer of our lives and the healer of our souls. Father God, we thank you that you uh, give us new life, that you create us brand new when there's things that the world has encountered that we have encountered that seem like it could never be removed, the scar could never go away, that you say, you know what, I'm not going to heal that scar, I'm going to just make you brand new. Father God, we thank you that you have made us new creatures. We pray, Father, that you would help us to let your life flow through us, 
Help us to communicate your life to others, not only through our words, but our actions and the very atmosphere that surrounds us. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you that you're a good God, that you're full of goodness and full of life and full of hope and full of mercy and full of truth and full of power and full of blessing. And I thank you that you've filled us with the same. Help us to articulate what we know in our spirits is true. Help us to articulate your word in Jesus' name. Amen.